0: And Welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society, and vice versa. Coming to you from the spaceship Domo, hovering high above Houston,
1: Texas, I'm Kevin. And from Indianapolis, I'm Sean. Before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, and follow us on social media at Caption Life on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. And you can also find out more information in past episodes at thecaptionlife.com.
0: You know what's on, Sean? Since we are, um, since we are recording this for a pretty quick turnaround, I just, I'm gonna go ahead and plug the, plug the TikTok. If you're not following us on TikTok, Sean is doing some amazing (laughs) things over there on TikTok, some hilarious videos, some great things. So please, please check out our TikTok. Uh, hey, before we get started with our review of the new Marvel Studios film Eternals, we do have a couple of guests who are joining us to share their thoughts on the film as well. Please welcome Ellie Canverdy from the Oh Shoot podcast and Ethan Simi from Fifteen Minutes of Marvel
1: podcast. Welcome, guys.
2: Hey, thank, thank you. you for having us.
1: Ethan, Ellie, do you want to take a minute to just kind of introduce yourself and uh, tell a little bit about what your podcast?
2: Yeah, sure. I can uh, I can take it. So uh, I have a podcast called Fifteen Minutes of Marvel. It comes out every Wednesday and Friday every single week, and basically covers the latest and greatest Marvel stuff in. 15 minutes or at least I, I try my my very very best it's very hard to talk about it in 15 minutes um mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's fun it gives me a good outlet to talk about marvel so my wife doesn't have to have to listen to it all the time uh and uh yeah you can fight i mean you can find the podcast anywhere podcasts are available and i am i am hyped i am fired up to talk about eternal can't wait <laughs> Got a lot of thoughts <laughs>
0: Have you ever thought nice. about feel that. Have you ever I thought about that. putting an asterisk on your show art like uh like this says uh, <laughs> episodes approximately 17 minutes long?
2: <laughs> I know I need to add like little little caption boxes of like this is a 26 minute episode. I'm so
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we we have we have a hard time staying on our on our time too. Yeah.
2: It can be
3: tough sometimes. You just have so much to say.
1: Yeah. Maybe just reframe it to like fifteen-ish minutes. Yeah, see, that's that's my introduction.
2: My introduction used to be like, "Welcome to Fifteen Minutes of Marvel," the only podcast where you get fifteen minutes. And then I changed it to fifteen-ish minutes, and I don't feel so I don't feel so guilty anymore. I feel fine. I like there you go. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm in the clear. Definitely, awesome. And Ellie,
0: what about you?
3: I am the host of oh shoot podcast I talk all things film and TV I've loved film for so many years and I typically would just talk my friends ears off with my movie knowledge or about plot details or character arcs and relationships and I figured hey why not speak to a microphone and then let others listen if they want to (laughs) but yeah i'm doing all the marvel movies right now it's been a big part of my life for so long and i was like this is the perfect way to start off a podcast but yeah i just love movies so much and that's kind of why i started podcasts just so i can talk about them Mm
0: -hmm. that's very cool but i I apologize for fumbling fumbling the title of your podcast because.
3: A-OK since we're talking Marvel movies,
0: <laughs> I've found it fitting to call it the O Snap Podcast. And which which if I thought that I ever, would have been
3: very clever. If
0: I ever break up with Sean, I'm gonna start my own podcast called the O Snap Podcast. <laughs>
2: you and it's just gonna be,
0: be about the MCU. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: I love that. Very smart. Full
3: support. Very
0: smart. <laughs> So let's talk about Eternals. Uh, I, I don't want to go first with my thoughts, but I will tell you that I just came out of the movie theater about two hours
2: ago. Wow. You're fresh. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Girlfriend I'm,
0: I'm a teacher. So, uh, and with two, with two kids. So my, uh, my week stays busy. I would have loved to have been there like Thursday night. Uh, no, no spoilers, but I'm kind of glad I wasn't there Thursday night. Um, Cause one of my issues is the hype that the movie got and, and our expectations for, for everything. But uh, yeah, Mm. I just came from the theater. I took my, I took my 12 year old and my, uh, my six year old, my six year old. It was, she was kind of scared in some parts of it, but uh, Mm. overall we, I mean, she stood up at the end of the movie and said, this is amazing. (laughs) And we can get into why she said that really. uh, Later on in the show, this is probably a good time to like, say spoiler alert. Like if you haven't seen Marvel's Mm -hmm. Eternals, you should probably stop listening to us. Talk about it now. So what's you guys overall reaction? When did you see it? What's your overall reaction to the film?
2: I so it's I did see it on Thursday. Uh luckily enough, I also have two small little girls that uh you know, generally like when you go see movies at like 6 or 7 p.m. or whatever that might be, that's that's bedtime. That's like dinner mm-hmm. time. That's you know, that's tough. Uh luckily this podcast, my podcast gives me a really good excuse to say I, I'm sorry. I have to be there. I don't. I don't have a choice. I have to be there. And so, luckily, I was able to get away. Uh, so I did see it on Thursday night in IMAX. Um, it was a. I would say oh, like nice. 75% full theater. Uh, I will start mm-hmm. out by saying I did see two people walk out and leave in the third act. <gasps> so this. So that that was very interesting to me. Uh, I mean, they had their coats, so I assume they're not coming back. Um, but the, right. the, the movie overall, I'll keep it really high level to start until we kind of get into. Maybe what works, what doesn't work, and some more details. I I like to equate this movie to kind of like a fine wine. Like I have now; it's now been forty eight hours since I've seen it, and I like it more now than as soon as I got out of the theater. I like it way more now mm-hmm. than as soon as I saw the last post credit scene. Uh, I I think personally, and this is just like my my personal thought process on this is this is kind of the sacrificial lamb, if you will, of the future of Marvel moving forward, this is the movie that had to basically write the ship and say, "No, we're actually going in this direction, moving forward. Phase four has been very different, as we all have seen, and mm-hmm. we are focused on on dialogue, we are focused on character building. We are focused on things other than just having a villain at the top of the pyramid that we're worried about um. That's my vibe. I love that. I love drama films. I love a good exposition heavy movie. So this was like, this was my jam. Uh, I think definitely some things didn't work uh, and it's it's got issues. It's a lot of story in a short movie, even though it's two and a half hours, mm-hmm. but I I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, I, and I, I have to be as unapologetic as this film is with what it's trying to achieve. I got to stay true to myself and I got to say, mm-hmm. I, I really like it a lot. I, I really did enjoy it.
0: Uh, We're going to have some difference of opinions on some of this stuff. (laughs) Seeing as how I just came from the theater and it's fresh in my mind, I don't think I'm there where you're at yet, Ethan.
3: (laughs) I mean, I definitely agree. I also saw it on Thursday. I went with a bunch of my friends. We basically took up an entire row. (laughs) But I have to agree, like 48 hours later, I have so much more love for the movie. And I remember Mm -hmm. going in And I know some of my friends were in agreement because we saw the reviews. Mm -hmm. We saw what Mm -hmm. the critics were saying. We saw all the negativity that was surrounding the movie. And I went in completely ignoring all of it because I knew right off the bat, like it was pretty much BS. I definitely felt like it wouldn't reflect the movie at all. So I went in completely open-minded and I walked out of there amazed. I was on the edge of my seat. The entire movie, I was stressed. I was fully immersed. I don't know what people were saying, like, oh, it felt too long. I was stressed the entire time. I was fully hooked (laughs) into the story, hooked into the characters. I was just Mm -hmm. constantly waiting, like, what's going to happen next? What choices are our Mm -hmm. heroes going to make? And I just kept waiting. And I was so excited the entire movie. And I remember walking out of there, we all just had so much to say about the movie we all had like five thousand thoughts running through our mind about the movie about the mid-credits about the post credit scene about characters about the choices that they made and mm-hmm. now that i've had some time to sit on it i every single time i had a new thought i would write it down because i was like just in case i need to talk about it on this episode mm-hmm. and i just have so much appreciation for this movie and i had a mutual message me later that night And was like, what are your rankings for all the phase four movies so far? (laughs) And I was like, Shang-Chi number one. Of course, that's still (laughs) one of my absolute favorite phase four movies. Mm -hmm. And second, Eternals. Easy, easy choice right there. And then in third place, I put Black Widow.
1: Right. I wouldn't wouldn't disagree with that ranking. I wouldn't disagree with that. Hmm. Right. Right? I I think that's how it would be for me, too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. I think I feel like that's a general consensus for fans is that ranking. Cause I'm like, I love black widow. I love the story. However, a little too late. Yeah. A little too late for her story. You know, mm-hmm. if it was a few years ago, I'm sure it would have been very different, but yeah.
0: Right. What did you think about the movie, Sean?
1: Yeah. So, um, have you seen it twice yet? I've not seen it twice yet. I, okay. I haven't had that time yet. Um, no. So I thought it was really good. So, it, my overall feeling of it was it wasn't nearly as bad as what some of the you know re- early reviews was coming out to say and i think we can all uh, you know assume that those were you know just review bombings because of the context of the movie similar to what we saw with captain marvel right um but i would say that it's also not as much of a game changer as what some other people have said so i would say it's it's more towards the high end but i wouldn't say it's it's you know i think everyone's in agreement here that it's not you know one of the best movies that's come out of the MCU or you know phase four or anything like that um, I thought it was really well done and I think that Marvel was really smart to pick a um, a intellectual property that is not well known throughout the general population and because they pretty much if you look at the comics for it they pretty much took liberties with a lot of the characters that were written. Mm -hmm. And I think that worked really well because the story was really, um, is really moving and it's a really good story and you didn't really, you know, make a whole lot of people upset for it because people were not really tied to those characters from the comics as much as they are with some of the other movies as well. Um so I think that they made a smart move with doing that. I think um, it's a really good movie and it's a really good story. There are some issues I have with it, which we'll go into that you know a little bit later here. But I think overall it was a good movie. I don't think it was it was, you know, a game changer at all and just in terms of the MCU or anything like that. I think it does change a little bit in terms of representation and what we've seen before which I, we all know is going that direction anyways. And we're excited to see that, but it definitely wasn't nearly as bad as what other people were saying either. So I, I thought it was a good movie. It, it wasn't as great as I think, um, you know, some people think it is. I, I just didn't think it was that great of a movie, but there were definitely a lot of great aspects of it. So,
0: And then I will say that I liked, I, I liked the movie. And I don't want to say like I liked the first two thirds of it more than I like the ending because I don't really have a big problem with any of it. Uh, I'm not the mm-hmm. I'm not the couple that left in the the last act, <laughs> Ethan. Um, Thank but goodness. here's here's my thing. I I loved the buildup <laughs> of the film, like the um, it's it's a weird it, it presents the it presents the their situation in a, in a weird light where you kind of sense that there's a that there's a bigger villain. Like in play, like the, they 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 tease the deviants in the commercials and the and the stuff, and mm-hmm. um, your you the way that the story unfolds, it's building, and it's building, and it's building, and you think that the you you kind of sense that there's something coming. Um, mm-hmm. I I will tell you that like I when I spoke to Sean last week about what my theory was, I was wrong on who I thought that was <laughs> was going to be. We'll get it, I can get into that in a few minutes, but. Um, right. I mean, I guess, I guess the reason why like it feels so unsatisfying to me was really because it left me with more questions than answers. And I think you're mm-hmm. right, Ethan, that they're they're they are investing in world building. Um, mm-hmm. that they have other stories to tell, and if they're going to do it in a realistic manner, they've got to. I mean, they've bled they've bled Iron Man dry. There's there's no point in in trying to recreate lightning in a bottle that they found with Robert Downey Jr. and And that character, um, so, so they've got to find it from a different source and it's not guardians of the galaxy. It doesn't have the same, um, this, it doesn't have the same comic flair that guardians of the galaxy had and, you know, kind of was an unknown property. Um, but like this will be the version of those characters that people know. Like people, like Sean mentioned that, like you know, there's not a lot of fanboys out crying like this isn't the Kingo I know and love. <laughs> That's because right. there's n- the, there's no such thing as the Kingo you know and love because nobody knows who Kingo is. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and I think I think at the end there were some there were some things that I would re-edit so that you left it more on like so that the cliffhanger wasn't so like WTF
2: because yeah. because it seemed
0: like it ended like the fifth episode of a Disney plus show and you were going to get the sixth episode. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And like we, I guarantee you that we won't see the Eternals on film for another three years, because that's just how
3: long it oh, takes.
0: Yeah. And they've got they've got their stuff planned out. And so we will see everything else unfold in the Marvel universe in the meantime. But now you've got me invested in this and I want to know what happens and you're yeah. and you you essentially made a giant commercial for the next thing.
2: I, right, Kevin. Yeah. Can so, I ask you a question, real fast? Yeah, go ahead. So you mentioned it feels like a fifth episode of like a Disney Plus series, right? Uh-huh. Do you do you think that this and, and and I you don't have to answer this with any depth or anything. I don't mm-hmm. care. Do you think that this movie with 10 brand new heroes and a brand new storyline and and all this world building would have been better served as a 10 episode Disney plus series? Do you feel like it would have been better? You would have connected more. You would have had more answers. Or do you think the movie route was the right way to go? Uh,
0: The movie is the right way to go because I would I would tell you that they would have they would have given you more backstory in every single character and they would have left you in the exact same place that they left
2: you. Yeah. like you wouldn't have gotten
0: anything you wouldn't have gotten no additional yeah no no. right you would have gotten you would have gotten fluff Mm.
1: yeah and and i would also say that if it was a series i feel like it would feel a lot more episodic uh than having a movie because then each episode becomes a focus on a character i feel like
2: yeah
1: and it and i feel like it would just kind of package them in or box them in as opposed to seeing the different relationships that you kind of saw in the movie play out that not as well as if if you saw the movie. So yeah, I would agree with Kevin that I think it was better as a movie in this route. So
2: what about, what about you, Ellie?
3: I definitely agree that it would have been better as a movie okay. and I think they did it well mm-hmm. and writing wise, but I think directing wise was one of the crucial elements for a movie like this Mm -hmm. and chloe was the best choice because she did absolutely incredible a movie like this if you have the wrong director it could end up horribly Mm -hmm.
0: all right so um just go around the table and talk about what you think the, the strong points of the film were um and we'll get to the not so strong points afterwards
2: i think to to ellie's point like chloe zhao directing this i think was absolutely the right call and it being such a an intimate and a personal emotional journey for 10 characters which admittedly we lose sight of a lot of them we we Kingo feels out of place come to the third act and 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 things like Sprites backstory that we kind of dive into in the third act we like she kind of you know just like fluxes here and there but mm-hmm. in Chloe Zhao's directing style she she is personal she is intimate she is close She knows how to portray that. And and Nomadland is a perfect example of that. And that's why we all cared about that movie as much as we did. And why it won an Oscar, because the best strength that this movie features that's so different from any other Marvel movie is that when we have conversations between our our heroes, our gods, we are there. We are right there. We're not watching them from a distance. We're not watching them while they're traveling to a different planet or while they're trying to accomplish something else or battle somebody else, we are watching uh, Cersei and, and Gilgamesh or sorry, uh, Thena and Gilgamesh have a very real conversation about, about her mental illness. And we are watching Cersei mm-hmm. and Icarus have a very real conversation about their relationship with each other over 7,000 years. And that mm-hmm. is what we are focused on at that point in time. So I think that is one of the best strengths that this movie brings to the table that no other Marvel film does bring And I think that in and of itself is one of the most divisive reasons that people either like it or don't like it is because we're not used to seeing that in Marvel. We're not used to just getting intimate moments that are that are minutes long where we're just understanding why people think the way they think. We're just used to seeing different things. Um, But like, go close out, like do your thing and come back for the sequel and just own it. I love it. Mm hmm.
3: I definitely agree and that's another thing I'm like really looking forward to for sequels or any other movies that tie into this one. I'm like please put Chloe somewhere on the team like
2: <laughs>
3: because it really I will like wholeheartedly believe that it is because of her directing that made this movie as amazing as it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely a really strong point for me and I definitely agree with Ethan about the characters and we get to know them and their relationships with one another we we're right, right there when they're having conversations with one another mm-hmm. thinking about the time that they've had together the time that they've had apart mm-hmm. the way that they've each individually grown ever since the first moment they stepped on earth mm-hmm. and i mean that's such an important aspect of movies especially marvel movies for me is kind of honing in on the characters and the relationships with others it's what I love it's one of the things I love most Mm -hmm. and another aspect of the movie that I really did enjoy were the visuals I thought they were stunning and Mm
1: -hmm.
3: there were some moments where I was just so into Mm -hmm. the scene because of the visuals Mm -hmm. that I think at one point my jaw nearly dropped because I was like oh my god this is beautiful right And I feel like the last time I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, wow. Like a wow moment with the visual effects was probably Doctor Strange because Mm. when it comes to visual effects, that is one of my favorite Mm. movies and it's up there for me for that. And this movie like holds up and that's another important aspect. And that's another element of a movie that really draws you in are the visuals, making it believable and really immersing you Into the universe
2: that it's in. Yeah. The light in this movie is insane. The use of lighting and blocking and framing is like is is absolutely incredible. That I I don't think people are talking enough about that aspect and that distinctive visual style. That gives us an entire different level of humanity Mm -hmm. in our heroes because we don't see that when Thor is on Asgard. We don't see that when Cap is fighting uh, you know, Thanos. And we we don't see this incredible mm-hmm. use of shadows and the sun setting and all of these different aspects that bring that right. extra level of humanity to what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Just kiss. Love to see it. It's
3: beautiful. <laughs> yeah. it's I, so beautiful. As
0: far as the, yeah. the visuals and stuff go, the, um, the direction of the storytelling, this movie seems kind of like the Marvel version of, the restaurant that's a little too nice for you, or like the department store your parents didn't shop at because it was a little bit too expensive. Yeah. Like, right. like no, we're gonna get our clothes from Target. We don't, we don't shop at Dillard's or I don't know I mean, where you guys are from, but <laughs> like that's what it is, right? So like, I yeah. it's probably that probably does rub some people the wrong way. It's just it doesn't it doesn't look like a normal Marvel movie, and that's to its credit, like because we it, yeah. it was time to move on and do something different. and I think it'll take them in an interesting. Direction. The thing that I really loved, I appreciated in the storytelling was the dual storytelling with the flashbacks and, and not revealing it like in linear fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I mean, it made the reveal um, certain people's motivation, like mm-hmm. all much more, I do want to say sweeter, but like. Much when, more deserved. It, yeah, ger- yeah. There was a there was much more dramatic flair to it. Like it gave it. Mm-hmm. It was the it was what we could sense th- that it was building to. And I will mm-hmm. tell you right. that when I talked to Sean a few days ago, I was convinced that what was going to happen in the movie was that that the Celestials were going to want to destroy the Earth, and that the Eternals were going to have to decide if they were going to protect Earth or not. Mm-hmm. And I have this this ongoing theory about like. Uh, episodic uh, procedural (laughs) television shows that like the most famous guest star is usually the killer of the week. And and I was certain that it was Angelina Jolie. I was certain that she (laughs) was going to be the villain at the end of the movie because you just don't cast Angelina Jolie to be a member of the team. Okay. (laughs) I mean, granted she's technically Athena, you know, the goddess of war in the film. But like to me in my head, I was like, no, there's no way dude. She's bad. Okay, and they oh like certain times in the movie they kind of teased it like what's going to happen yeah and that was a total Uh red herring for what actually what Mm -hmm. actually did happen which which you could kind of sense like as it as it got as the drama built further closer and closer to it you could kind of sense it coming but the way that they unfolded all of that story with seven thousand years ago and five thousand years ago and then fifteen hundred years ago and then five hundred years ago and. 80 years ago, it just, it made for the final reveal to be, um yeah, yeah. that much more dramatic.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. That's actually one of the um, best things about the film, I would say, is that it does a great job of using that sort of storytelling to its advantage, where as the story in present day is unfolding, it does that flashback to kind of not only tell you a little bit about how they got there, but a little bit more about the each of the characters background and and a little bit of a reveal of who they are as well too. And so mm-hmm. I really love that. And I know that got really popular with Lost, and then you saw um, you know, the CW picked that up and did that with Green Arrow and they did a pretty good job of that. But I think this one, um, it, it was it was so natural in how they did it that it just made a lot of sense of them, you know, presenting it that way for a number of reasons. Just like what you said, Kevin, it does set it up very well for that reveal where you didn't know, you know who was, and you didn't see it coming or wasn't expecting it until at the end. Um, and so I think they did a great job of that. I think. One of the highlights of this movie is it explores the various kinds of relationships out there, not just you know as couples or even you know romantic. I love that they have a mm-hmm. lot of platonic relationships in this that we we see in the MCU um, in a few ways, but we haven't actually seen it to this level, especially with um, Gilgamesh and Athena mm-hmm. and how Gilgamesh pretty much takes care of Athena, and it's a very you know what I'm assuming platonic because you don't really. You you know, get any indication that they were romantically involved at all. But, you know, just the fact that he took care of her, like all those years, you know, I, I love seeing that sort of commitment. It almost reminds you of, you know, someone who's dedicated to a relationship, but is completely platonic. You saw how Kingo looked up to Icarus you know, a whole lot, mm-hmm. and, and you just saw like mm-hmm. so many levels of intertwined relationships, you know, within the characters in, in so many levels. So I thought they did a great job of that. I think it's a lot more philosophical than what we've seen in the MCU. It does a really good job of kind of using the celestial as a way to kind of do some like bigger thinking of like, what's my purpose and is this the right thing to do? Yeah. And, and we see that a little bit in MCU, but I think this is on a grander scale because again, the movie is very much on a grander scale as well, too, where it's more of a, um, you know, universe base, almost like guardians of the galaxy, like we've talked about before as well, too. Um, obviously a great, Part of the movie that I think we all enjoy and love is the diversity and the representation. Um, You know, not just of, you know people of color, but we have our first deaf actress and uh, deaf superhero in this in the MCU, which we're probably going to get more later on um, with Echo coming in with Hawkeye and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, I think you know it's just great to see a lot of different kinds of representation going on there as well too um angelina jolie as a non-leader and tortured character i thought she did that very well she's always she was in the, amazing yes she like was she's she was always in the spotlight with a lot of the movies and this one she's in the spotlight because of who she is but she just did a great job uh in this role as a non-leader as a tortured character i think she just did a fantastic job with that so i was really impressed with her acting in this Movie and and being a, a supporting actress, um, as opposed to being you know the main actress in the movie, and I think she just nailed it very well, and that she didn't take the spotlight away okay. from the other characters, and I and still phenomenal job. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I will I'll add about the diversity because I had this conversation with Madden the other day. We talked about um mm-hmm. the way these characters looked in comics and how they changed them, and uh, about why, and mm-hmm. uh, to me. Uh I think that they're diversifying your your roster of superheroes for Marvel is is not it's not done for diversity's sake. It's I think it serves two right. purposes. Number one is is you do you do allow it does allow you to reach a wider audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every every person every person that's watching the film can find a character that they identify with. There are mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, maybe there's a deaf child that says, Oh, that character's like me. Or mm-hmm. or a um you know, a South South Asian character like Kumail Nanjiani's uh, character Kingo. So like there's mm-hmm. there's this great there's this great like noble idea behind it, but also like it's we would be naive to think that this wasn't also a decision about money making. Because as right. as as much as the vocal minority are like, I don't like the I don't like these characters that don't look like my my version of <laughs> of Icarus, he's supposed to have long blonde hair. Um and I don't I don't like the gay stuff, which BT Dubs, I love the gay stuff. That was one of the best uh that was one of the best relationships in the movie because you touched on all yes. the crisscrossing. Yeah. But here's the deal mm-hmm. It it opens up different markets to your like to your film. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like there may be a huge market in Pakistan where there's never been a market for a Marvel film before because Kumel Nanjiani is is from Pakistan. And mm-hmm. like it's it's a it's a strategic move, but it has it has benefits for not just the bottom line of the film, but also for the storytelling and then the opportunity that it gives people from different walks of life to step into the spotlight and do something that we haven't given them the opportunity to do before. Right. Mm-hmm. It's nice. right. Um, do we want to move on and talk about some of the not so strong points?
2: We can. Yeah, I think this uh, yeah. <laughs> OK,
0: <laughs> can I can I go first? Because this is what you sure. said with me. Okay. <laughs> this movie yeah. was delayed a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Now, that being said, now, my beef is not that it was delayed a year. I mean, I'm disappointed <laughs> that I had to wait this long, especially the way that it ended. And you have to, we're going to end up having to wait longer for for more. But <laughs> right. The post credit scene with character Pip Which one? with character hmm. Pip.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I believed that Thanos was a real person. OK, like right. mm-hmm. I honestly believe that maybe they should start considering motion capture performances for major uh, film awards because Thanos was to me by far the best villain that the MCU had had up until that point. And not not only could you could you see the logic in his decision making and you kind of like sympathized with him, Um but Josh Brolin's performance and the motion capture, the technology that they brought to it, I felt like Thanos was a real person. I forget mm-hmm. that that's computer generated imagery. Mm-hmm. This right. film being delayed a whole year, that character of Pip had no business looking as bad as it did. <laughs> I know. I think I have to agree 100%. Was, like, it was yes. jarring to see that that level of like, like I would have thought like after a year, it either looked really, really great or we just scrapped this.
1: Right. So I yeah. I have a sneaking suspicion that they were going back and forth to the last minute to figure out if they wanted to keep Pip as a character in there or cut him out completely. Mm-hmm. I just had a weird suspicion because just yeah. like what you said, Kevin, I think the, the, the graphics weren't as great as what we usually see in MCU, but it also was kind of an odd thing to witness as well too. And if you, if you play it in your mind again, they could easily have taken Pip out of that scene oh, without yes. a whole lot of, yeah. you know, production with value with that and everything so i I think they're probably debating and probably still testing like you know do people respond to pip or not like is pip going to be like a a interesting character or fun character to have or is it so way too much my addition to
0: that my addendum and i'll let you guys jump all over this is that you remember the first time that we see Thanos in, in the movies and he looks yeah. dramatically different by the time that he's like the actual He's villain. like
3: Barney Purple, let's, yeah. yeah. Let's hope
0: let's hope yeah, that right. if Pip comes back in three years that they've yep. figured out a way to make it make him better.
1: Right. Yep. I hope yeah. so.
3: There were I so agree. many like <laughs> effects-wise, there were so many things wrong with Thanos earlier in the mm-hmm. movies. And mm-hmm. what was it? Was it I, I think it was in the Avengers at the like mid or Mm post-credits whatever it was with Thanos, Mm -hmm. I could not believe I caught this, but I was watching it. And there's this moment where he raises his hand and you see his face and it's Thanos, but he Mm -hmm. raises his hand and it's a human hand. Oh, it's right not a gray purple Titan hand. It's a, like, a man's hand. And I was like, <laughs> what happened in post-production there?
1: Right. I'm going to have to go back and they, like, watch how that did now.
3: They, like, how <laughs> did they miss this? And I had to re-watch the scene because I thought I was mm-hmm. seeing things. Mm-hmm. And then, no, I took a video <laughs> and I sent it to my friends. And I was like, "You ha- you guys are seeing this, right? This is a person's hand, not a Titan hand.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I I agree with you, Kevin. I think that, um, that mid credit scene would have been a lot sweeter if, if a bunch of, you know, terrible people didn't, um, tweet about it the second after they got out of the world premiere. Um, but I, I still, I still think it, I still think it was a post credit scene that, that fell flat. It still feels weird to me. It's still Mm -hmm. odd. Um, when we are this far into phase four and I, and I understand the connection that Eternals have with, Mm -hmm. with Thanos and Celestials. And I understand that family tree all fits together like it does. But Mm -hmm. we are now out of the Infinity Saga quite a bit and we're moving forward. And then you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm the brother of Thanos. It's like, well, well, didn't we, aren't we trying to go forward? Like, aren't we trying to like not do Thanos (laughs) things? Because like we've already done Thanos things. Um,
0: Well, if you think about the marketing of the movie and how much they pitched like the heroes of the Avengers and then like comes the next great. Like, they were they were um He's he's working off of his brother's name. Let's just put it that way. Right. Like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Yep. And and I will tell you, having taken a six year old girl to the sure. to the movie, that was her favorite part. <laughs> sure. She she lost her stuff. And she was uh, jumping you know, up I, out of her seat. <laughs> I'm sure there were 30 year old women too. Um and, and I'm a huge I'm a I'm a huge fan of Harry Styles as a musician. Uh and he's mm. a good looking dude. But like like my six year old was just like fainting so
3: I'm, no yeah. okay i'm gonna be real honest my friends and i we lost our we lost our minds during that because the, the scene happened and my friend and i we like grabbed each other's hands we were like oh my god it's, this is it this, this is the moment happening. yeah and i did this is so embarrassing i did not think this was gonna happen but i cried <laughs> i had i like it was a mix of like laughing so hard because I was so excited. Right. And just the excitement of it, I had tears streaming down my (laughs) face. And I was like, I can't believe I'm literally (laughs) crying over like a 20-second scene of Harry Styles.
0: (laughs) I get the feeling like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of middle-aged men like me who like saw that scene and were like, the you know that TikTok trend where that voiceover is like I don't like that, do I? Do I like that? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Harry, Harry Styles. Harry Styles in a in a yeah. space superhero suit or a superhero space suit. Sign me up.
3: Yeah. You right. know what? He looked really good. Man. He <laughs> he looked like the character. He I think he's gonna do really, really well moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think people just like forget that he, you know, has acting mm-hmm. on his roster. Like yeah, dude, it's not As if he made random little cameos in movies or TV shows, a one-liner here and there. Like, no, he's had proper roles Mm -hmm. in well-known movies like Dunkirk. Exactly. Mm. And he did really well in that movie. So I think people kind of forget that. And honestly, they could have done what some other movies have done and grabbed someone with absolutely no acting experience.
1: Mm. Right. They could have
3: easily done that, but they did it. Right. And it was a very tactical choice, of course. But right. I think in the long run, it's going to be a good
0: choice. You talk mm-hmm. about the diversity of the cast. They went through everything that they could check a box for. And they were like, wait a second. International pop star?
1: Check. <laughs> need right, <it>. yeah. <laughs>
3: need nope. it. That's the last one we <laughs> need. Yeah.
1: And I'll be honest. like, The only thing I know about Harry Styles is that he was part of One Direction. And that's about it. So when he showed up on the screen, I'm like... Okay, like I think it's just interesting to have that perspective. Like I know nothing about this guy other than yeah. he was a really, you know, just famous singer. Sure. And and I'll be honest, like just like what you said, Ellie, like I I'm like I think he did it pretty well just in that, you know, twenty second scene, I thought he looked good as Eros and that he's gonna do mm-hmm. a great job as him. So yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, I definitely. what I complete what I thought was gonna happen was we would just see him he would have maybe one line kind mm-hmm. of earlier on when we first saw Thanos we saw right. just like a glimpse of this new character that's com- that's literally what i thought his appearance would be like i completely didn't think he would actually have several lines mm-hmm. to say so right. i was ha- super happy To kind of experience that too,
2: right? Yeah, right. My dude's already already hitting on uh, Athena. He's already trying to trying to make his way make his way in with the Eternals. (laughs) It it Um, does seem
0: fitting that that's that it seems like Eros, the character, is a intergalactic pop star. Like like he plays very much as an intergalactic (laughs) pop star. Like he just walks around with mad charisma. He can talk to pretty much any lady in the room because. Uh, you know, because he is who he is, and yeah. and I would right. bet dollars to donuts that he shows up. Um, he shows up like in Guardians of the Galaxy three, and and Peter Quill is like, man, not this again. Oh, like, I'm, <laughs> I, will,
1: I love it. I'm <laughs> the, I just got rid out. of Thor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. can I can I say something that didn't work for me? So I think yeah. this is the second longest MCU film. Uh, yes, or uh, next to Endgame, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I think I think it needs to be that long, but I also just think it was I think it was just too much. I think it's just too much story. I uh, you know back to our conversation earlier, I don't think it would have benefited as a as a longer property like on Disney Plus or anything like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: I do think that we have gotten used to that. I think we had eight hours to spend with Wanda and Vision. We had six hours to spend with Loki, and now we only have two and a half hours to spend with five times the amount of characters. Uh, so I, I think that kind of plays into things a little bit, but mm-hmm. it is also like, it's just so I, I think they do a really good job of spanning time and um, these flashbacks and we get good things from that. But because mm-hmm. there are so many characters, you, you just lose this like really personal feeling that the movie is trying to go for and is trying to shoot for. You just don't have the space to, to dive in to that. And her, and, and more you know on the nose is whenever you know kind of the, the halfway point when we get this uh Erishem is kind of explaining what eternals are and we find out they're essentially like robots right they're not' they're not, they're not right. humans and they were just like sent here and they have their memories wiped and that whole all of that I can understand the importance. But like, I turned to my friend and I was like, that was a lot. And I'm not going to remember any of that. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know if it benefits anything. Like, I don't, uh-huh, outside right. of storyline, which is fine, it feels a little pushed, but like, it doesn't, that doesn't matter at, at, at mm-hmm. all, essentially. We're we're spending an entire movie trying to humanize our Eternals and then only to get told they're robots. And then it's like, well, <laughs> well wait, I, but I thought they feel human emotions and like, this is the storyline we're getting. Um, So I, I don't think that. Worked very well. I I think mm-hmm. that that was too much, and and it th- could have definitely done without that. And then um, the the final bit is, I know that for Marvel, our our third act and our pinnacle of the movie is Endgame levels. Now, right, we get forty five minutes of a CGI battle. We get Shang Chi, which is just uh, whatever forty minutes of fighting dragons that don't really exist. Yeah. Um, this is better. This has a better final act than Shang Chi. To me, it feels more. Personal and emotional. It's still mm-hmm. a CGI fest. It, we're still watching, um, even though it's like really the only big battle of the movie. I I think it works well. It's all this lava and fire and volcanoes and like that. Just didn't, it done. It took me out of like trying to comprehend why Sprite would stab Cersei. Like, right. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm really focused on all of the lava that's really not adding anything to this scene. Um, And so, like, for me, you know, I don't think we'll ever get away from that. I think this was a step in the right direction, but it is what it is. Uh, But just too much story.
1: Right. Right. And I'll add on to that in that I think there were as great as the story is. I think there are problematic things about the storytelling piece of this movie that I think are. You know is the reason why you know I kind of dinged it down some points and and some of it is that you know going back to you know Aresham is it, it, there's just like little things that kind of bugged me is like it doesn't make sense like why this happened right and so mm-hmm. like for example why did they wipe their minds if they created it like it, it didn't make sense why Aresham like kept it from them if he programmed them all and everything like that if, sure. for that to be the responsibility, like there's just like little things like that. It's like, it, it doesn't make sense. The motivation, like why Icarus let the group kept trying to stop, uh, ti- uh, time it to the, the, the celestial that's being born, right? Like why he just kept letting them try to, uh, stop them when, you know, the whole time, you know, he wanted it to happen. Um, I felt very confused why the deviants and Dane Whitman was in there to begin with. Like I understand why Dane Whitman because he's mm-hmm. going to be, sure. you know, becoming the Black Knight later on, but like if you took him out, the movie still made yeah. sense. Yeah. So Thanks. yeah, it's just yeah, and deviants they were only really there to put in action scenes for the Eternals, right? Because I thought they would do something with Crow at the end, but Crow, you know, gets killed off. And so it's like, okay, we have no demons. Like it just, it just seemed like really odd how they structured it. And so sure. I think there's just a lot of issues with the motivation explaining like why these things are happening. Um, and I would say the last thing that I had an issue with is I wasn't completely sold on the Icarus Cersei romance. Like, when you do the flashbacks, I was sold on it, but then the whole, you know, Icarus left and then they were supposed to still like have these feelings for each other. It didn't, I didn't really feel like that. I didn't feel that on the screen at all. And so I think it was something that was kind of lacking that they needed to ramp that up a little bit more to really bring it home. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just, it was just a lot of little things that kind of add up to like I wish they would have done that better because it, it still doesn't make sense to me, like why these things happen. So
2: can I can I make a counterpoint to that, Sean? With sure. with yeah. Cersei and Icarus. So I yeah. think I do think you're right. I think it works really well in the historical context of things, and not mm-hmm. as much when he just like shows back up and they're like, "Why do we still love each other?" Um, but I think I think it's kind of in line with what we have been getting with Phase Four, kind of, and maybe what Marvel's toying with a little bit more is not like not not spoon-feeding us, really, everything there is, and I think, personally, I like the fact that they didn't tell us more than they told us. I think, sure, it could have benefited from it a little bit, but in my mm-hmm. imagination, I I get to create Icarus and Cersei's story. I get to <laughs> determine why they left each other in the first place and where Icarus has been and and why, all of a sudden, they have these. That mm-hmm. humanizes it more to me than if I were to to understand maybe more like A, B, and C, and this is what happened. Um, Right. Because I, because like, you know, uh, everybody's kind of been in, been at some point in their life in whatever, a friendship or a relationship where maybe you have a little bit of regret. Maybe you have a little bit of like missing or longing or something that you feel that you can Mm -hmm. connect with either Cersei or Icarus. Uh, And so I like that kind of imaginative part of it. But I do think, I think you're right. Like the runtime, it just kills any additional visual that you could get for that relationship.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just wasn't sold on, even when they first see each other, like after so many years, like Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't feel that zing that like, you know, old lovers type of thing that you would expect for that sort of thing. So yeah, I I wasn't expecting for all the details to be filled in, but I think it was just more the performance of that part, which is weird because they did a pretty good job in the historical part, but then that part, it just seemed like it it was lacking. So Maybe, maybe
0: that's purposeful because you get the sense that he. I mean, they don't. You like Ethan's right. They didn't explain exactly why he walks away. Like, why did he leave?
1: But they did because he said that once he found out the truth, that he had to stay away from her because he was afraid he was going to tell her. Right.
0: Well, yeah. But that's right. what I, that's they leave that explanation for for the very end, like because because that's that's the the mystery of that's the mystery of it right. all. Like yeah. you you are I left okay. you are left to like learn that you're, you're left to discover that yourself as the truth mm-hmm. is, um mm-hmm. is revealed. And so it does right. seem, it does seem awkward when they, when they, when they first meet and you consider like his, his intentions the whole time. Like he only shows up to, I mean, he knows the deviants are coming for them mm-hmm. and he only shows up, uh, I guess, to save her or maybe to see her one last time because he knows there's impending doom kind of gives him a real creepster vibe like to me (laughs) Um. i
3: have to agree though that what was wrong with the movie was just like a bunch of little things
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because
3: i remember coming out of the movie i was like i talked to my friend about cersei's character Mm mm-hmm And I made this like kind of passing comment about how she was kind of useless for most of the movie. I'm like, you have this really (laughs) cool power. Like you have this, Mm -hmm. not just like a cool power, but a very useful, like and you're in a sticky situation, like you can use your power to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. then she just doesn't use her powers until the last possible second. And, that part, it just bothered it bothered me so much because you see all of our characters like using their powers, you know, doing what they can to help the situation. And then she's just running. And then you get that moment when they're in the rainforest and she, you know, figures out she can turn that one deviant into a tree. Mm-hmm. And then at the, you know, very end of the movie, she turns uh, Tiamat <laughs> <Fear laughs> into the like stone like to stone and it's like you could there were so many times you could have done this before like for mm-hmm, example yeah. when you were fighting the deviants or anything but you didn't and yeah. i'm like i wonder if there was a reason for it and that like that little bit missed its mark for me with her character because i thought she was a really interesting character and i like mm-hmm. the re- like the relationships that she had with a lot of the other characters you know with Icarus with Sprite her yeah. you know her relationship with Dane her relationship with Ajax it was all very interesting it was just when it came to her powers though i was like what what's going on
1: right maybe
0: yeah. maybe the reason why she was so hesitant to use her powers because of all of them she was the one who embraced her humanity the most like she mm-hmm. just didn't mm. she wasn't she wasn't as comfortable using her powers as yeah. everybody else was because Like, she was the one that was most connected to, like, the human experience, and humans Mm -hmm. don't have powers like that. Um, I will say that I was kind of hoping that they would say that she turned um, the Celestial into ice and not stone, because, Mm -hmm. because another glacier or another chunk of ice that big in the ocean would have like also helped global warming.
3: <laughs> I know. I was like, that would have been perfect. I was but like, then, she why?
0: saved the world twice. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> that
3: would have been amazing. And maybe they'll, yeah. maybe
0: they'll listen to this podcast and retcon that. that yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. yeah. They'll be
3: like, okay, change it. we're changing it
1: guys. Yeah. It's a special I, kind of ice that just looks like stone.
2: And then,
0: and then at the very end of Eternals two, where there's like the special thanks, like I'll get that credit. Like,
2: yeah, <laughs> I
0: celestial idea um credited yeah. to thank you. Special thank you to Kevin Stalker. Yeah.
2: I, I think part of like Cersei's journey is that though. I think her mm-hmm. figuring mm-hmm. out I, I like your point about the humanity, Kevin. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think like she's the eternal that doesn't really know she doesn't really feel comfortable like being an eternal. She I think that's how she processes her her guilt and any past trauma that she has and any sense of like lack of confidence. Like it could be a number of things. I think she just like you, that's how she deals with those things is by basically saying like, I don't know what to do. I'm just not going to mm-hmm. use my powers. Mm-hmm. And that definitely comes off. And it, I think initially like like that comes off pretty choppy and like, why, what are we doing? Like why mm-hmm. just use your powers? Like it feels pretty MacGuffin like in terms of, yeah. we're just like waiting for something big to happen. But mm-hmm. also, like, when you look at it, you know, hand, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can see, like, Cersei doesn't understand it either. She is, as she's grieving and as she's processing her past relationship with Icarus, and as she gets closer to Icarus, she feels more confident. And she turns that Deviant into a tree because she knows Icarus is trying to save her, and she feels some sort mm-hmm. of love, right? And that's, like, her process of dealing with all of that. So, yeah, I, I do—I think it's way more layered, but it does— on a very like initial base, it comes off as like really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's, and that's art. Like the director and the, the cast will probably be like, yeah. oh, yeah, Kevin, you were right. That's exactly what we were going for. And everybody <laughs> sees it, everybody sees it a little bit differently and to each, yeah. to each yeah. their own. Um, which Mate. is, which mm-hmm. is why you have to get out and see movies for yourself and not, not just trust the, uh, the review bombs. So, yep. That's true. I will say that for me, I would have rearranged some of the end of the movie with the end credit, um, scenes. I would have inserted Dane Whitman, finding the sword somewhere in the movie to tease it. Mm-hmm. Like Rhodey, cool. to like yeah. tease it like Rody and, um, Iron Man one. He's like, next time, brother, next time. Oh, <laughs> right. um, yeah, that'd be cool. and that would have been cool. And then I would have ended it with them in the park. I would have ended the, like the end credit scene would have been them in the park talking to each other and the clouds part and there's a celestial there. I would not have space I would not have had him gather them up into space and, and kidnap yeah. him. I would have just opened the clouds up to the celestial there and then left it like that. Because that to me, be cool. to oh. me that would have been more satisfying than to know that, oh now they're captured and whatnot. As a matter of fact, I'll go one step further. I would have opened the clouds up. And then you cut to um, Peter Parker over on a bench and he goes, oh, like right at the oh end. Oh my of God, that was so good. Because he was there, he was there like wow. on, on another field trip. I don't know. Unbelievable.
2: Right. But love it <laughs>
0: but mm. i just like that was that was the thing that that 2 minutes of the film where they get sucked up into space at the very very mm-hmm. end and he's like mm-hmm. you know i've got you now <laughs> like that that for me was <laughs> one scene too many and mm-hmm. part of the reason why like i i didn't enjoy it as much
1: right mm-hmm. yeah well and, and and that whole thing with the serum was really weird because he's like he picked him up and then he's like okay i'll let this one slide like I, I just think that whole motivation, like the, it was really weird how the whole thing was leading up to a celestial being born, and then he's like, "Okay, I'll let it slide, right. but I'm, I'll come back." Like I just felt like it was really odd in general, too. So well, yeah,
2: yeah, and like that scene is so strange because he basically tells them, "Like you have decided to save humanity, and I will check your memories to see if they are worth saving, and I will be back for yeah. judgment." He doesn't say Jack yeah. about the fact that he just they just blew a celestial being born. You're right. Like, right. Yeah. that. that's hard to <laughs> agree. Like one scene too many where you just like you took it one step too far and you tried to give us details that we didn't we didn't need. Um, can we talk about the sec, the post post credit scene, the second post credit scene real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do we are have you have you been notified? Are you aware? Do we all know yes. who the voice was?
3: Yes.
1: Yes. Oh, no, I don't. Okay, uh, Sean. Try Kevin doesn't know. Sean,
2: do you want to tell Kevin since this is your show?
1: Well, let me ask this, Kevin. Who do you think it is? Oh, that's great a good choice. I man. don't have a guess. I immediately said, "Oh my God, who is that?" And
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: it is no guess
2: at all. No guess. Yeah,
1: Nothing. No guess. Because I'll, I'll tell you who I thought it was.
3: I can happily say who my I thought my, it my was.
0: initial guess was. That maybe that it was Marcell Ali and that it was Blade. But boom, wow. got it. Yes.
2: Incredible. It. Well yeah. done. <laughs> that's incredible am i, I really I is that who you guys confirmed holy moly chloe,
3: chloe herself yes. confirmed that it's played and kumail yes.
2: J- nanjiani went on another podcast and was like i don't know if i can say this but this is definitely what it is
3: <laughs> oh yeah
2: so good
0: nice okay yeah. so like i'll have to improve like the score that i give it at the end just off knowing that <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> just on that
0: <laughs> i mean that's who i thought yeah. it was to be honest with you like but it was so fast and it, then, was. And I, it was it does it takes a few it takes a, a little bit of time to ruminate on it and and come to yeah. that conclusion mm-hmm.
1: well cuz that whole scene like you're waiting for him to pick it up and see what happens and so you weren't expecting a voice right mm-hmm. and so that kind of like threw me off guard and because it was so quick I didn't get time to process and I'll be honest like I Mm -hmm. thought it was Nick Fury because that's just something that Nick Fury does Mm -hmm. right
3: okay I have to say something about the (laughs) people thinking it was Nick Fury though I'm like this man has been with us for like 11 years (laughs) do you not recognize his voice Uh,
1: Well, but again because I wasn't expecting that happen it was so quick like that's the only thing like and that's where my mind went to at first is like is that Nick Fury but then I was like that just doesn't make any sense why it would be Nick Fury because he was up on a spaceship but you know it's like whatever So he's
3: the time of his life up there
2: yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, he's just chilling. My exactly. man's just hanging out. Which, <laughs> which
0: will kind of like, like that, that whole, the whole setup though, like if, if like if what we now believe is true is true. Um, two things. It's going to make the Blade that we know in the MCU very different. To me, it will make him very different than the Blade we knew from mm-hmm. Uh, previous iterations but also right. like I just adjusted my eternal score based on that information I will adjust an, <laughs> I will adjust the score of the next film that they appear in if at some point in the MCU we do not get a montage of Blade teaching Dane Whitman how to fight with a sword
2: Oh please! Like, like let me tell you
0: something brother I know how to fight with a sword I'm going to show you the ropes and then there's like right. the, there's like the Rocky where Apollo is teaching Rocky oh, how yeah. to chase a chicken oh, on the yeah. beach like I need That's that in my awesome. life
3: Mm. i'm so excited i'm just super stoked because it's kit harrington I'm, I'm like a big game of thrones <laughs> person as well so i was like richard madden and kit harrington in the same movie or oh, the scene where they yes. look
0: at each other where they meet each other and look at each other i was, I was like i giggling. lost my mind i was giggling and, and madden was like what's so funny and i was like because they're because <laughs> they're brothers. I was like, my
3: brothers are meeting <laughs> no that's literally my thought i was like my brothers are meeting again <laughs>
0: and, and, and they're
3: having a great conversation can
0: i just say like between like Kit Harington and uh, Kumel Nanjiani and um, oh, Icarus, what's his actress? Uh, Richard Rich Madden, Madden um, mm-hmm. and Don Ho, who played uh, Gilgamesh. Um, man, this has got like one of the best jaw lines lineups oh, line in the edible. history of cinema. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Next like level. my wife yeah. and I were watching old YouTube videos of Kumail before he like got into superhero shape, and it completely mm-hmm. changed like like his face. But like those jaws. Right. Like every single one of them looks like they were chiseled out of marble.
3: Oh my God. This <laughs> yeah. cast is one of the best looking cast of heroes I have seen in a very long time. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I love them. Big time. Yeah.
0: And there's even a chubby one with glasses, which made me feel really, really <laughs> like strong about myself. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Which, real quick, to talk about Fastos or, yeah, that's Fastos. Right. Sorry. Fastos. Oh, is it Fastos? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So talk about Fastos. Has anyone picked up when he is like, Working on some sort of machinery in his house for to help the Eternals, that it looked a lot like how Iron Man was building all of his stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, super <laughs> into it. Yeah, well, definitely. And, and, and that's one thing I do. I will say I I find really interesting. I like about the movie is that it seems like it's planting the seeds of like how Eternals have really inspired and shaped humanity in that way and i think you know that was kind of a call out to say like iron man got some of this technology from oh fastos cool. who's known as the technology person and like it's part okay. of this you know um just part of this universe that like you know it's a natural thing to happen because fastos was involved with it somehow indirectly or directly so yeah
2: that's tough. Yeah, like
1: they were roommates at mit
2: yeah, <laughs> exactly. they all
1: I love how they all like, these are my friends from college. Yeah, that, was okay. that was a good joke. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do we want to go around and just kind of give our last like, you know, what we how we rate the movie? Um and yeah, sure. just last thoughts, I guess.
2: Yeah. Are we rating out of ten? Is that the scale? Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's go with ten. We okay. Kevin and I actually have never done that before, so yeah. we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I give it I give it seven stars out of thumbs up.
0: So
2: no, <laughs> sounds appropriate.
0: Yeah, right. just like the mix and match our rating system on the show.
2: Yeah, there's a conversion <laughs> chart somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, <laughs> right. Look, I think for me, I think so. I finally, after I had sat with it for two days, I finally put it in my MCU rankings on Letterboxd, and I, I felt mm-hmm. confident doing that. I currently have it set at number four out of out of twenty five films. It is the my, oh. my fourth favorite film, um, and I'm going to stick to that and I'm going to hold to that. So with that number four ranking, it's got it's got to be like like at least like an eight point eight or an eight point nine. It's got to be up there quite yeah. quite a bit <laughs> for me. Uh, I've got you know right. Infinity War, Endgame, uh, Spider Man Far From Home, and then I have Eternals, uh, and then I have uh, Black Panther to round out my top five. So mm-hmm. I just think, I think for me, I think it is so much more than the sum of it, its parts. I think that's the way that I view it. And I mm-hmm. I do think this discourse of people either not liking it or liking it and, and all of these problems and things, I think that makes me like it kind of more in like a really perverted way where it's like, oh, good. This <laughs> is like a chance to to say like, no, this is actually what I really liked. And I, I like mm-hmm. this about Marvel and I want it to go in this direction and I like Chloe Zhao, and I like the exposition, and I like this, that, and the other, um, instead of just saying, like, different is bad, and no thank mm-hmm. you. Um, right. So, yeah, I think, overall, it's 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 sitting at number four for me, and I, I can't wait to go see it again. I'm going to try and go see it in IMAX, you know, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later. Loved it. Mm-hmm.
3: Definitely agree. I'm excited to watch it again immediately after I was like... Okay, when's round two? When am I <laughs> when am I getting my second watch in? Right. But I'd have to say, like, I'd rate it I think something like an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. I because I really, I really liked it. Maybe even an eight point five, because even if there were though there were small things that I found issues with, for the most part, they were things that I could easily forgive. Mm-hmm. And I know I think I haven't ranked I haven't ranked this movie yet. Of all my movies, (laughs) but I feel like I could easily put it into top 10. Right. Easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, um, you know, I was thinking about this because I was actually listening to your podcast earlier today, Ethan, about, um, about this movie. And I I gotta say, yeah. And, And I gotta say, I feel like for me, I would never be comfortable in ranking the MCU movies just because, I feel like it's better for me personally to do ratings because I feel like even if I were to rank the movies I don't think it's really indicative of how good the movie is right like mm-hmm. I, I think everybody always talks about how Thor the Dark World is a terrible movie or is, or is the I don't want to say terrible movie how a lot of people say that it's uh, the worst MCU movie and I would say like it's definitely you know probably at my bottom but only because in comparison to all the other movies like I still think Thor The Dark World is a very good movie. It's just not as good as these other ones. So I feel like I always have a hard time ranking them. I would never rank them, but... I feel like rating them is good because then you could say like, you know, these are all on par for different reasons that they're still very good. So for me, it's really weird because Kevin and I talk about how we were probably brothers separated at birth because I also ranked it seven out of 10.
3: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> wow. Since Sean and I share a hive mind, um, I had it at a 6.5 before you guys confirmed to me that it was Blade. Uh, so I'll give it a seven. And I will probably say just like Sean that it's it's probably in my bottom four. Bottom five, um, for certain, the only ones that I I know are that I like less are probably Hulk, Thor two, and <laughs> and, and Black Widow. Um, huh. mm-hmm. But like Sean said, like that's 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 not a good that's not a very good indicator because I love the MCU movies. Like I think all of them. I think that it's great that we have something that. Um, that works the way that it does that like everything is connected and there's this giant universe of characters. I will say this, this is going to be my parting shot. I will be willing to, um, give up, like give it a higher score. If on the Disney plus release or the special features on the, on the Blu-ray disc, (laughs) if there are two or three (laughs) fake trailers for, um, Kingo movies that, Oh yes, please. I will, I will definitely bump it up. You know like when um Tarantino <laughs> did Grindhouse like fifteen years ago, they had the fake yeah, trailers yeah. between the movies. I want <laughs> I want two or three fake Kingo movies, but I also want them done in the style like I wanna see Kingo as his own grandfather like in the <laughs> yes. in the fifties, like and then I wanna see him like in a seventies like in a seventies movie where he's like like flying through the air karate chop style but like it's very <laughs> it's very like bollywood and you can tell like that it's it's super fake yeah, yeah no right. I, I want i want all of that and i'll and i'll rank it higher
2: that's how they're right. gonna sell all those blu-rays man that's where they're, they're <laughs> oh, gonna get want to have whole media you, can only, you can only get that here <laughs> yeah exactly it's right. yep. a marketing tactic <laughs> right there genius <laughs>
0: All right. Well, yep. uh, that's going to wrap up our, our talk on the Eternals. I think, uh, I want to say thank you to Ethan and Ellie for joining us today. Uh, before yes, we go, can you. both, can both of you guys tell our listeners where they can find you online?
3: Absolutely. Um, you can find me pretty much on every social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You, you can find me at Oh shoot podcast.
2: Nice. Uh, I am also, I'm primarily on Twitter. Uh, I am not on Instagram. Uh, At fifteen minute Marvel, a lot of good uh, Marvel memes, a lot of hot takes coming come down the pipeline on a pretty constant basis. Uh, But you know, give me a follow; it's worth it. All
0: right, thank you guys.
3: I can
0: confirm it's worth it (laughs) Uh, And that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life We hope you enjoyed listening Don't forget to smash that subscribe button On whatever major podcast platform you listen to You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram At Caption Life And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out Tag us in your post For more info about us and all of our previous episodes Please visit thecaptionlife.com Until next time The Eternals will return (laughs) Nice. Nice